calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Danielle McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 12. Even when the body is at rest, do not relax your concentration. When you move rapidly, keep a calm, cool head. Do not let the mind be dragged along by the body or the body be dragged along by the mind. Miyamoto Musashi. For several days, Kinishi and Akao combed the woods and surrounding countryside looking for any sign of Teta or his corpse. He no longer believed the innkeeper was alive, but no one ever found a body. Eventually, after four weeks of fruitless searching, Teta's family gave up the search and declared him dead. His son, Gonta, assumed control of the inn. He also assumed control of Kiyose, but Gonta was not a bad sort, simply inexperienced and overly serious at times. Kanishi watched that he did not mistreat Kiyose and left it at that. Nevertheless, she continued to cook for Kanishi and to clean his house occasionally. One evening, Kiyose was preparing supper for him, and as he waited, he practiced his writing. She said, I heard something strange today. He finished the character he was writing, put down his brush, and looked at her, waiting for her to continue. Yoko was carrying part of her husband's catch back to their home two nights ago and she said she saw someone acting strangely. She said there was a person sneaking around your house, like they were trying to slip inside. She tried to see who it was, but the person noticed her and disappeared into the shadows. Did she say anything else? Was it a man? She thought it was a man. Perhaps I should go speak to her tomorrow. Have you heard anything else strange lately, since Teta disappeared? 
Her status was so low in the village, and her demeanor so quiet and unassuming, that many people did not even notice her presence. She might have heard things she was not meant to hear. She thought for a moment. Well, I have heard many things. All kinds of things. Anything about strangers in the village. She thought some more. Well, I did hear a young girl say she had seen a shadow man in the forest. His clothing made him look like the forest. He frightened her, then disappeared in the trees. A shadow man? That's what she called him. I don't know any more about that. Her name is Aya. She is Gorobe the carpenter's niece. Perhaps I should speak to her, too, he mused. Where to begin? There are forces at work here yet to be revealed. More bad fortune was coming, and he feared it could not be stopped. But he would still try. The following morning, he went to Norikage's office and told him what Kiyose had said. Norikage rubbed his chin. More complications. One might think this shadow man could be the same one seen snooping around your house. We must find out if anyone else has seen anything unusual, however, before we can draw any conclusions. Kanishi agreed, and the two of them spent the rest of the day asking people if they had seen anyone strange in the village or in the forested mountains around it. This village received few visitors. He and Norikage spoke to Aya, a girl of about eleven, and the fisherman's wife, Yoko. Aya said that she had seen the man moving through the forest one evening near sunset. She sometimes played in the forest, even though her mother had forbidden it. She saw the man moving from tree to tree. He was wearing strange clothes, she said, clothes that made him look like a bush. When he saw her, he was surprised and jumped between two bushes. She lost sight of him then, and she ran home after that, afraid. She had not told her mother, because she would be angry with her for playing in the forest. Norikage thanked the girl for her help, and then gently chastised her for disobeying her mother. Yoko told them the strange man she had seen was dressed in dark clothes, wearing a large hat like a monk. She saw him in the narrow alley between Kanishi's house and the neighboring house. She stopped to look at him, but he saw her, then moved around a corner out of sight and disappeared. The rest of their questioning around the village yielded nothing. No one else had seen any strangers. Norikage and Kanishi sat in Norikage's office that night, sharing a bottle of sake. Norikage said, So, we can conclude that there is likely some stranger snooping around the village. Someone who may have killed Teta. That is possible. But what does he want? Teta is gone, but perhaps this stranger is still here. He sounds like a man looking for something. Or someone. Difficult to guess, isn't it? Kanishi took another drink. Could this man be connected to Chiba and his brothers? Perhaps they hired an assassin to kill me. If there is a connection, it is still hidden. Norikage's brow creased. My instincts tell me that this stranger has nothing to do with that lot. Besides, hiring an assassin requires money, and they have none of that. 
You have some strong instincts, Kanishi. What are they telling you? Kanishi thought about it for a moment. They're telling me you're right. That disappoints me. Norikage smiled wryly. Yes, I know. You are merely waiting for an excuse to pounce upon Chiba and his brothers. You should not let that cloud your judgment. Something else is at work here, I think. Kanishi had to admit that Norikage was correct. He had been looking for a reason to confront Chiba. Footsteps approaching outside. His hand fell to his sword, resting on the floor beside him. A woman's heavy breathing sounded like Kiyose. Sirs, may I come in? Yes, come in, Norikage said. Kiyose came inside, shut the door behind her, and bowed hurriedly. She was breathless with excitement, and the words tumbled out of her in a rush. Sirs, I rushed over here to tell you, there is a strange man staying in the inn. He looks like a monk, but he has a basket hat, and I saw some strange clothing under his robes. Kanishi and Norikage's eyes locked. Strange clothing, Norikage said. Yes, green clothing that looked like Aya said. Kanishi said, I think this man needs to talk to us. Norikage nodded. What if he runs? I'll stop him. What if he fights? I'll defeat him. Norikage's wry smile gave his face a strange-looking vehemence. I'm sure you will. Kiyose, where is this man? He is eating in the main room. Very well, Kanishi said. Let us go. Kiyose, stay here where it's safe. Kanishi and Norikage walked into the inn's main room. Norikage walked two paces behind the constable. He wanted to stay out of harm's way and allow Kanishi room to act if necessary. Perhaps it was all a misunderstanding. Perhaps the man really was a monk. But somehow, Norikage did not think so. Gonta bowed as they came in. He looked so much like his father, tall and thin but with a larger portion of his hair on his bulbous head and fewer merry wrinkles around his eyes. Ah, what a pleasant surprise. Please come and sit down. I will prepare a fresh jar of sake. Norikage said, Thank you, Gonta. They followed him into the empty main room. There were dishes and an empty teacup still on one of the tables. Kanishi, please wait here for a moment. Norikage said, Gonta. I would like to see your kitchen for a moment. Gonta blinked in puzzlement, then nodded. Kanishi waited in the center of the room. Norikage followed Gonta into the kitchen and behind the closed door spoke with a low voice. There is a man staying here? A monk? Gonta looked surprised. Well, yes, there is. Why do you ask? What do you know about him? Nothing. He came in tonight asked for a room and ate his supper. He must have gone to his room now. Have you talked to him? No. He seems like a quiet type of man. Which room is his? Down the hall, second on the right. Does he have any weapons? Weapons? Gonta's eyes bulged. Lower your voice, Norikage hissed. Forgive me, is this man a criminal? We do not know but we plan to speak to him. 
Gunta's eyes remained wide with fear. Do not fear, Gunta. If he is a criminal, Kanishi will protect us. This seemed to ease Gunta a bit, and he nodded. Wait here until we have spoken to him. Gunta nodded again, and Norikage returned to the main room where Kanishi had not moved. Norikage pointed down the hallway. Kanishi nodded and followed him. Norikage imagined him scanning the hallway, gauging distances and calculating advantages. He glanced over his shoulder and saw Kanishi doing exactly that. They stopped before the appointed door, glanced at each other. Then Norikage raised his voice. Excuse me, sir? The shift of clothing inside and the rustle of papers. After a moment came a man's voice. What is it? May we have a word with you? Of course. Come in. His tone was jovial, but Norikage heard something in the man's voice that indicated he was less than comfortable with talking to them. A brittle hesitation. His previous life in the capital taught him well. He glanced at Kanishi and gave him a silent look that told him to be on his guard. Then he slid the door open. The man sitting on the floor behind the table looked up at them. His head was shaven clean in the manner of a monk, and his age was indeterminate, with a face cut from severe angles and planes. His body was thin and wiry, and since he was sitting, judging his height was difficult. His clothing was simple and plain, like that of an ascetic monk. His walking staff rested on the floor behind him. Norikage noticed a flicker of recognition in his eyes as the man looked at Kanishi. Recognition, and something else. Appraisal. On the table in front of him were a brush and ink and a sheaf of loose papers. None of the papers contained writing, but the brush was wet. Good evening, sir, Norikage said. I am sorry for our rudeness in disturbing your rest. My name is Norikage, and this is Kanishi. We keep order in this village. We have come to warn you that strange things have been happening in the village lately. The man's face registered no emotion. Thank you for your concern. Hopefully I will be safe enough inside the inn. If I may ask, how long do you plan to stay? Until tomorrow. I am an itinerant monk passing through on my way to Hakata. Of course. But you may wish to consider that the strange occurrence involved the owner of this inn. He disappeared not long ago, and he has never been found. Norikage sharpened his attention on the man. The man said, That is unfortunate. His voice sounded puzzled. And there have been reports of strangers skulking around the village at night or in the forest. That is strange, the man said implacably. I will be careful. I only wish to have a peaceful night's rest and continue on my way in the morning. Norikage did not know what else to do. Would you care to share a jar of sake? I must beg your forgiveness. Sake is bad for my stomach. Tea, perhaps, then? We would welcome conversation with such a wise, learned man as you. Alas, I must decline. I am too weary from my travels to be pleasant company. I am sorry. Perhaps in the morning. Norikage nodded. Very well. We will leave you to your rest. Forgive our rudeness. Thank you. Not at all.
Norikage scrutinized him. Was that annoyance on his face? Perhaps relief. They bowed to one another, and Norikage stepped backward through the door, sliding it closed behind him. Back in the main room, out of earshot, Kanishi said, He's lying. Yes, he is no more a monk than I am. We must find out what he is up to. Yes, but he gives us no reason to confront him. I have a feeling this night is not over for him. Let us ask a favor of Gunta. Norikage saw the crafty look in Kanishi's eyes and nodded. Norikage tried to keep his breath as shallow as possible while they waited. Kanishi elbowed him when he started falling asleep, but he could not help it. Waiting like this in the dark was so... tedious. He did not know if the monk would do anything out of the ordinary. Kanishi sat near him. Norikage could sense his alertness, listening for every smallest sound, sifting the noise of the night creatures from the sounds he sought. How long they had been waiting, he did not know. The village had long since gone to sleep, and the gibbous moon had gone away, leaving only the porcelain spatter of the stars against the night sky. This was the deep, dark of night. The sound of the crickets and frogs outside lulled Norikage toward sleep, but he had to stay awake. Then he heard something, the muffled thump of wood on wood. A faint metallic clinking. Again. Rhythmic, like the movement of a walking staff. The butt of the staff brushing the floor. The metal rings on the other end brushing each other. Coming closer to their hiding place. Norikage froze, holding his breath. Kanishi touched his arm. It was time. Kanishi slid the door of the inn storeroom open and stepped into the main room. Norikage uncovered his lamp, but hung back. Yellow-orange light spilled across the man carrying his walking staff, wearing his basket hat to conceal his face. The man held up a hand to shield his eyes. Kanishi said, Where are you going, sir monk? Trying to leave without paying your fee. What happened next came too fast for Norikage to react. The man threw his hat at Kanishi's face, Kanishi drew his sword and slashed the hat in twain with a single fluid motion. The length of the monk's walking staff parted as if by magic and became a sword. The long, straight blade licked out at Kanishi, who caught the blade on his own, forced it toward the floor. Kanishi thrust at the man's belly. The man still had the rest of the walking staff, the wooden sheath of the hidden sword, in his other hand, and he used this to turn Kanishi's thrust to the side. He planted the butt of the staff against the tatami mats and used it to support him as he lashed a kick high at Kanishi's head. The man's foot slammed into Kanishi's cheek and he staggered to the side, wide open to attack. Norikage dashed his lantern at the man's face. The man flinched and batted it aside, but it gave Kanishi the instant he needed to recover from the blow. The lamp clattered on the wooden floor, spattering a pool of oil and fire and brightening the room with its flickering orange glow. The growing fire cast dancing shadows against the walls and ceiling as the two combatants struggled. 
Kanishi faced the man again, sword in the middle guard position, pointing at the man's throat. The ceiling was too low for a powerful downward stroke. He edged toward the front hallway, blocking that escape. The man squared against him for a moment, sword in one hand with its jangling rings at the end of the long wooden hilt and shortened wooden staff in the other hand. Norikage could only stare as a strange calm passed through Kanishi, as quick as a ripple of water settling into a bowl. Norikage glanced at the other man. His angular features were crafty and calculating, like a poisonous snake readying himself to strike. But Kanishi acted first. Norikage had never known a man could move with such speed. Kanishi's body and blade moved as one. A clang of steel, then the soft, meaty sound of metal against flesh and bone, and the man fell backward. But Kanishi did not stop moving. Even as the man's body landed hard against the tatami, arms and legs splayed, Kanishi leaped forward and landed a hard kick against the underside of the man's wrist, tearing the sword from his grip and sending it bouncing across the room. Norikage crept closer and saw the wet, dark stain spreading underneath the man's clothing. Kanishi stood over him, looking down at him. The man's breathing was ragged and wet, and his lips were red with blood. The man started to laugh. Who are you? The master, the man gasped, was right about you. Then he laughed again. What? Kanishi stepped back. Norikage said, Did you kill Teta? The man's laughter trailed off into a death rattle. For a long moment, the two of them just stared at the dead man. Then Gonta burst into the room. Fire! he cried. Fire! Oil from Norikage's spilled lamp was still burning in the hallway, licking dangerously near the rice paper door of the closest guest room. But the fight had lasted only moments and fire had not yet gained purchase in the tatami or the wall. Gunta snatched a blanket from the storeroom and smothered the fire. Before they were left in darkness, Norikage lit another lamp in the smoke-thick air. With the fire put out, Kanishi stood staring down at the dead man. Did you hear what he said? Norikage answered, Yes, I did. What does that mean? It means someone knows you. Someone is looking for you. Who? The father of your... woman, perhaps? Or her husband? Kanishi's brow furrowed like carven granite. He sheathed his sword. Norikage knelt and searched through the corpse's clothes, avoiding the thick, wet stain across the man's torso. He found a wooden charm box, shook it, and heard something within. Inside, he found a folded piece of paper. He took the paper, opened it, and held it toward the lamp so that he could read. He read it to himself, then looked at Kanishi, who stood waiting expectantly. Kanishi, someone is indeed looking for you. Someone powerful enough, wealthy enough, to hire a man like this to find you. What does it say? It says, Master. I have found the ronin you seek. He has made himself a constable in Aoka village, along the northeastern side of Hakata Bay. 
I await your instructions. Signed, Yellow Tiger. Kanishi's mind raced behind his eyes. For a while, neither of them spoke. Then, Gunta's voice broke the silence. Did this man kill my father? Norikage's mind seized upon a sudden inspiration. Yes, Gonta, I believe he did. He has been snooping around the village for some time, and I believe your father discovered him and was killed because of it. He met Kanishi's silent gaze. Why did you lie to him? Gonta sighed, but Norikage sensed a strange relief pass through him. Gonta said, Such a horrible business. But I'm glad it's over now. It's over. He wiped at his eyes. Father has been avenged. Norikage caught Kanishi's glance. Now he understood. This yellow tiger would be blamed for Teta's death, so that life in the village could return to normal, and the villagers could be at ease again. Gunta, Norikage said, there is one more thing. Gunta looked at him, wiping his eyes again. This note. You must forget about it. You must forget everything that you heard here tonight, save that we dispatched your father's murderer. No one in the village must know of anything else. Do you understand? He kept his voice even and calm, but firm as basalt and with a hint of underlying threat. Gonta blinked once, then nodded. As you say, Norikage-sama. Then several other villagers came running into the inn carrying buckets of water. Their eyes were wide and fearful. Where is the fire? said one. Be at ease, everyone, Norikage said. The danger is over. Kanishi has slain Teta's murderer. He watched the parade of emotions pass through their faces. Surprise, horror, relief, curiosity. Kanishi and I are weary now. We must rest. If you will excuse us. Then he led Kanishi outside and back to his office. Kiyose still waited there, and the relief and joy on her face when they returned was palpable. She had not slept. Norikage said, Do not fear, my dear. All is well. I'm so happy to hear it, she breathed. I was so worried. You may go home now. She bowed and departed, but he could sense her disappointment. She wanted to stay, but discussions like these were not meant for a woman's ears. Kanishi, Norikage began, I know you are troubled by what happened here tonight. I'm wondering who this man was and who is looking for you. Kanishi nodded, his brow thick. I can do nothing to reassure you, unfortunately other than to tell you that after tonight, the villagers will be even more vigilant about strangers in town. Rest assured that if any other strangers come through, we will hear about it. Everyone will be watching. Kanishi nodded again, saying nothing. And you understand why I lied to Gonta about this man? Another nod. The man was so damnably taciturn sometimes. It was for the good of everyone in the village. I hope there are no more disappearances. This man had nothing to do with Teta's disappearance. Another disappearance will make us look very, 
very foolish after what you said about Teta's killer. Norikage was taken aback. He had not yet reached that thought, but it was true. Another disappearance would be bad indeed. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. 